Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Richards, and with me today is Mr. Logan Wyman. Logan, welcome. Thank you. F- filling in for Evan. We got rid of Evan uh, for a week, <laughs> so he's our, our first person out. So, uh, Logan, tell us a little bit about yourself. What? How do you How do you know Evan and Austin and and, um, uh, and that kind of thing? Yeah, so I I grew up in Dexter, which is pretty close to Jackson. I um, moved to Cape when I was 18. Um, for college, uh, I met Evan and Austin through the what was formerly known as the Orlando Project, now the Camo Project. Um, I met Evan my first summer and Austin my second summer. Um, so I've gotten to know those guys quite a bit over the past couple of years and yeah. built a relationship with them. And, and Austin sent me a text last week about being on the podcast, and I've always wanted to be on a podcast. Well, so there you go. I decided to do it. <laughs> awesome is that? That's cool. So tell us about the Orlando Project now Camo. What do you? What is it, and what do you do when you're down there? Uh, so it's a nine-week uh, discipleship program in Orlando, Florida, which is why it's called the Orlando Project. Um, but basically it's probably what I would consider the best way to cultivate um, your relationship with God that I that I found in college. Um, and you grow not only as a Christian, um, there's trainings every night, uh, or three nights out of the week, actually, which word training, which means how to read the Bible um, and, and tools to help you memorize the Bible and study it. Um, as well as evangelism training, which is actually going out and actively sharing your faith in the community. Um, and then also we're given a job at SeaWorld. Um, mm. So we work 40 hours of the week, so we learn how to juggle um, laboring for God and, and you know cultivating our own relationship with God on top of working 40 hours a week and, wow. and being busy every night, which is just going to better prepare us for the future because we're only going to be get busier from here on out. Right. So it's an incredible opportunity. So they encourage you to share your faith at SeaWorld or interact there? Or, right, yeah, and yeah. We, get, we get to minister to our coworkers during right. the day, and then uh, evangelism training usually on Thursday nights, we get to go out and share the gospel again. So it's yeah. a lot of sharing. That's awesome. Wow. It, it's great training, f- like, not only for, like, everything that he said, but also it, like, trains you in discipling others as well and uh, just being a Christian in the world in this yeah. day and age, because it's like, I mean, like you said, we work a full-time job pretty much all summer, but we're also waking up like two hours before our shit starts to make sure that um all of us in our groups are like up and reading together. Yeah. Like not only getting time as a group to read, but time alone to read. Uh, There's usually like, they usually pick out like a book that we go over through the summer. Sweet. Sweet. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I know Evan has shared a little bit about it as well. And, and, um, and Austin, you went for your first time was last year, right? Mm-hmm. But you're planning to go back? Yes. Oh, sweet. Awesome. Good deal. So after this summer, Evan and I will both have been twice. There you go. Um, the, uh, yeah, Evan's not going this year, right? Um, he, I think he's planning on going. He's probably not going to be there the whole summer though, okay. because he's now a staff member at Lighthouse. Right. So what'll probably end up happening is he'll go like the staff members usually go like the first three weeks, and then they come back home, and then they have student leaders who are there who like kind of take over that position for the rest of the summer. Okay. Well, we've got a lot to share with you on the podcast today. We we're in the Gospel of Mark, and Logan's going to share some stuff from uh, Mark chapter eleven, and also. Uh, we have uh, some from the Psalms, Psalm 31, Psalm 32. Uh, we'll even be looking at the book of Numbers, uh, at some of the cool things that are happening there, and uh, and then deal with some questions uh, that we got from our reading. And I, I think, uh, you know, questions like, why did Jesus kill, why is Jesus a tree killer? 
That's uh, that's one of the questions we're going to address. So if you are interested in the answer, stick around here on Understanding Jesus. We have a new ministry here at First Baptist Jackson. It's called Holy Grounds. We meet every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and we have gourmet coffee available. Our own barista in-house. So we hope you'll come join us 9 a.m. Sunday mornings for Holy Grounds. From 9 to 9.15, we have a time of fellowship where we donuts and coffee. And then Bible study, always from some amazing Bible study. You can sit in the observation deck and just watch or you can participate. It's up to you. But come join us. Check it out. 9 a.m. Sunday mornings here at First Baptist Jackson. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast. We're going to take a look at some different uh, passages of Scripture that stood out to us in our reading this week. The reading has been phenomenal. And uh, I'm going to start us off, uh, Logan, by just uh, sharing something from Numbers chapter 9. It's uh, chapter Numbers chapter 9, verses 16 through 18. It says, So it was always uh, the, the, the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after that, the children of Israel would journey. And in the place where the cloud settled, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. At the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey, and at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained encamped. And you know, the children of Israel is kind of like a, a red light, green light situation. It was it was like every time the cloud, I mean, they're, they're literally looking at the presence of God over the tabernacle. And when God moves, they move. Uh, and it's interesting how it doesn't say that it was fire at night, but it was the appearance of fire. It's actually the cloud. It's the same cloud. The cloud just looked like fire uh, illuminated. It would be kind of interesting to see what uh, what that actually looked like. But it's this supernatural cloud that lights up uh, in the evening. And uh, and he was he was preparing the way for them. He was it was God saying uh, I. I mean, you had to wonder why is he? Because he would be there for they'd be there for months at a time, or just a couple of days. So you had to wonder why is he leaving them there and then moving? Well, it's 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 really one of those things that we have to understand. This is how God works. The, the Word is revealing to us. This is how God operates always in our and even in our lives today. He is always at work. And so while you're camped and doing the things that he has already asked you while you're camped, he's making preparations for wherever it is he's getting ready to move you to next. So when you are following the Holy Spirit, you're always where he wants you to be, when he wants you to be there, doing what he wants you to do. And he's made preparation for you to be there. If you jump ahead and go to where you think he wants you to go, one, you might go to the wrong place. Two, it won't be ready for you when you get there. And Mm -hmm. so it won't make sense. And uh, and three, you're, now you're disobedient, and so God doesn't God doesn't want you to try to figure out what He's going to do and so forth. Uh, I think sometimes we overthink it and think, well, what if I got there? Uh, am I going to mess up what God had planned? Or now that I've gotten there, or I went, I've you know, have I done this in the past? Have I have I already done this and messed this up? That's where Romans eight twenty eight comes in, where He says He works all things together for good for those who are called according to His purpose, uh, and and what that means is, is he already knows he already knows that sometimes you're going to jump ahead of him. Mm-hmm. He already knows that sometimes you're going to not be patient and wait for him. Uh, he is it doesn't change his plan, but he has already allowed for whatever you're going to do and worked it into how he, he's 
trying still going to get you where he wants you to go. Mm. So, but but he's not going to. Uh, you're not going to do that and fulfill his will. What you're going to do is you're going to jump ahead, and he's going to okay, okay. Are you ready? To, are you ready to do it my way now? Because as long mm-hmm. as you're doing it your way, I'm, it's not going to work. And so, but if you're ready to do it my way, if you'll just stop now, I you know basically the cloud is going to stay put for a little bit, and then now I'll tell you when to move, and I've made preparations and all the adjustments that were necessary in order for my wills to still be accomplished. Uh, and that's that's what he was doing for Israel. That's what he does for us. It's kind of like when uh, they uh, they wanted to they were scared to go into the promised land, and God said, uh, "Well, um, if you're scared to go into the promised land, then you're not going into the promised land. You're going to wander for 40 years." Well, it's not like that. Uh, all of a sudden, um, that they were there at the promised land, and they said they weren't going to 40 years, and so God's like, "Well, now that whole plan is just ruined, and so mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do next." Now He already knew they weren't going to go in. And and so he had already had a plan contingent upon that. Well, they were like, well, uh, okay, we've changed our mind. Now we want to go in. And now he's like, no, you can't go in now because you've already disobeyed me. The, I already told you what the judgment is. And so um, and so then they try to go in and it fails. So it's 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 always uh, God is God is always many 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 steps ahead of us. It's not that we're gonna say I bet this is what God's gonna do and jump ahead by design. You will not guess what he wants you to do. You will right. not. You will not get it. And so, uh, it's one of those things that we have to always, uh, always remember that now it's not the pillar of fire or the or the cloud by day. It's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so we we find a way to discern what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And 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 there's so much grace in that. And that uh, one of the things I think that's important to remember is God wants you to know what what he wants you to do next. He's it's like it's not a mystery that you're trying to figure out. It's that he's saying, okay, I want you to, I want you to stay here. I want you to focus on me and listen to me. When you hear me and understand me, when, you, when it is clear that I am saying, I, this is where I want you to move, this is what I want you to be doing, then, then that's when I wa- that is when I want mm-hmm. you to go. Once you understand it is me and this is where I'm taking you, now, now you go. But if it's not clear, if you don't see, if you're still wondering, I will make it clear. Uh, Oswald Chambers, who is a great devotional writer, said, the, said when in doubt, don't, uh, because God always makes his way clear. And uh, in every instance of Scripture, you don't have people going, mm, I'm not sure really if that's God mm. or not. Right. You have Moses the burning bush going back to his wife going, there was this bush talking to me. It might have been God. I don't know. Right. <laughs> you know let's, I'm praying about it. I'm praying for that yeah, it was and, God or not. And like and, Paul immediately knows that it's Jesus. Talking yeah, exactly. To him, I mean, it wasn't like, hmm, I wonder. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. he and he asked, and Jesus well, knows the re- Lord revealed. Yeah. yeah, revealed himself to who he was, and it's so. Uh, there was no. By the time the encounter's over, he was not questioning what to do next. Mm-hmm. He knew exactly what to do next, and uh, and that is how God relates to us. It, uh, it, so if there is. Uh, not to use the, uh, if it is cloudy, no pun intended. But the uh, if it is cloudy as far as what we are supposed to do next, then you just wait. Uh, you just wait until until it's it's clear. So anyway, okay. What do you have for us, Logan? I uh, just I think about the the concept in the New Testament of walking in step with the Spirit. Mm, yeah. um, where we're not, you know, necessarily. And and while anything that we can do of value is certainly through God's Spirit within us. It's nothing that we do alone. It's it's not as though we're being dragged on by the Holy Spirit or right. that. It's it's following up behind us. It actually says to walk in step with it. So mm. just as you were saying to to keep in step with the presence of God and what He has planned and what, what He's what He's set for us, rather than walking off and trying to do our own thing. Yeah, yeah. 
And you had to, what do you, what do you get from the past? What you were looking at, uh, Mark? You were oh, interested yeah. something from us. Yeah, I was looking at Mark 11, um, which is the triumphal entry of Christ, which is one of my favorite passages, I think, in scripture. And go ahead and read it. All right, it says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt at a door outside the street, and started to untie it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought their colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches on that they had cut from the field. And those who were before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. On the following day, when he came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing the distance of fig tree leaf, in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. But when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Uh, and then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And as he was teaching them and saying to them, It is not written, My house shall be, is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it, and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished by his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. I mentioned, uh, first off, the triumphal entry earlier. Right. And uh, I actually have a friend who has a tattoo of a, a palm branch on his on his arm. And oh, wow. I asked him about it one time, because I was interested, and he, he uh, told me about this passage, or he was talking about it. Uh, just how the same people who greeted Christ with with the with the palm branches and said Hosanna, like blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and mm. and Hosanna, like being translated to pray, save us. Um, those are the same people who days later are crucifying him and yeah. and crying out for him to be killed and and choosing Barabbas over him. So just the symbolism of of seeing that and and how they turn on him just makes me think of of how we're the ones who crucified Christ, who yeah. who put him up there and. And we would have been no better than them had we been in the same situation, right? Um, which is is a tough pill to swallow, but but I know that it's true that uh, yeah. I've been the same thing. And I I really love uh, Luke's depiction of the triumphal entry in, in Luke 19, where uh, essentially the Pharisees tell Jesus, "Why don't why aren't you rebuking these people? You right. know, uh, they're they're calling you the Lord. Re- rebuke them." And and he yeah. says, "Don't you know if they were quiet, the very stones would cry out." Yeah. And so just seeing like. Uh, I guess the deity and like the majesty of Christ on on display while he's in the world. Yeah. Um, it's just something that I've always found super cool and, and super encouraging, and and uh, just it just makes me think about how he can like transcend things that uh, we can't see in this world. Like I right. think of uh in, in maybe numbers I can't remember where where the donkey starts talking because right. Balaam's donkey Balaam's yeah. donkey starts talking. It, it, yeah. It's just 
we see those things in movies and things, but we don't realize that that God can actually cause those things to happen. Yeah. And and had they not been shouting Jesus's praise, like the very stones literally would have cried out, yeah. would have cried out yeah. and, and blessed him. So. Yeah, there's there's a there's a, a a bigger picture in that in that story as it's unfolding. One of the reasons why for the turn is uh, most of the miracles that Jesus performed. In fact, almost all the miracles that Jesus performed were in his hometown, his area. So if you can imagine geographically, you have Galilee up here, and you have Jerusalem down here, and uh, and so Nazareth and, and Capernaum and all these different places around the sea. These are the people who are seen, you know, feeding the five thousand, the Sermon on the Mount. And all the heal- these healings and, and miracles that are being performed and so forth, uh, there is a there's a groundswell of people. Jesus keeps saying, "Don't tell people about what I'm doing," but they keep telling him, and so they are thinking, "This is the Messiah. He should be king." As they're coming into Jerusalem, uh, these people, this this contingent, that, you know, as they're getting ready to celebrate the Passover, uh, this contingent of people is going to Jerusalem with him, and they have the intention of of being king. When he's arriving at Jerusalem, uh, they don't, they're not as excited. They don't know who he is. I mean, they, they know, they've heard rumors, they've heard stories. Uh, a lot of the, the conflict between him and the people in Jerusalem is going to take place in this last week. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's coming with this entourage of people, and then the people who are there, it's more just rumors. of, And, and so it's kind of like they're, they're like, that's why they would say things like, well, you know, prove yourself if you're going to do something. And these people are like, well, we have all the evidence. We need, we've seen it, right. you know, but, uh, but these, this new group of people, these people in Jerusalem, uh, they don't have, uh, they think he's bla- it's blasphemous. That's why they're saying to him, hey, you've, you know, the rumors have abound. And so it's like you, you've, these people are making you out to be the Messiah. You need to rebuke them. And, and Jesus is saying, I can't, you know, right. because it's, it's, it's what it is. So, so it's kind of a, it's not necessarily the same group of people who are going to just immediately flip, but it is. Uh, but it is kind of it. it the 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 uh, when he goes in and he goes into the money starts turning tables over and so forth, and and you and you see this radical uh, rabbi coming in and doing all this stuff. It's not being well received by the people mm-hmm. who are in Jerusalem by design. I mean, he is coming to be crucified. He is not coming to win them over. He's not coming mm-hmm. to perform signs that they might see and so forth. The the one sign that he's the the major sign that he's going to do in this this time period is is the raising of Lazarus from the dead, and uh, and in that uh, they they're just trying to keep that quiet. You know, now that that's just just radical crazy. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and and so it, it just is culminating to a head. Uh, because he has he has demonstrated his power to bring a person back from the dead, and their response is, well, let's kill him and kill the guy he brought back mm-hmm. from the dead. So there's no because because he's turning their world upside down. You're out in the rural area of Galilee, and um, in 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 and there's a there's already a a, a bias there, and so it's kind of like Cape and Jackson. You know, it's like a, it's like if if the Messiah is coming from Jackson and riding into Cape Girardeau, you know, people from Cape Girardeau, we don't even know where Jackson is. You know, so uh, that's uh, it's kind of it's got this already this bias about it. And he went to Jackson High School or whatever, and mm-hmm. so Cape people don't like him already. But uh, but whatever the case. You have it's actually more like if we're coming from here and going to St. Louis, but uh, the but the idea is is that they they have this uh, you have this entourage you have all these people who are super excited about it, and and you get into where the wealthy people are where the power the political power establishment is and so forth. Uh, it's like coming from a, a, a great example would be as if we're coming from Missouri, mm-hmm. 
and you're going to Washington, D.C. And you get there and they're like, we don't know who you are, but this is how we do things here. Right. You know, and and so uh, but the but as you see it unfold, I mean, can you imagine seeing someone perform miracles and being super excited about this is the Messiah? We're all going to go to Washington, D.C. And he's going to take over the government, you mm-hmm. know. And so it's like, here we go. And so we all go up there to Washington with him and we get there. And then all of a sudden they're saying, we don't know who you are and so forth. And he doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. He doesn't perform any. There's no major miracles that he's showing to demonstrate himself. He's, it's like, and the tide is turning. And he's, and instead of him setting up his throne, he gets arrested, mm-hmm. you know. And instead of him being, showing his power, he's getting beaten. You know, and now all of a sudden, Peter even denies who he is. You know, it's like I, and and that's one of the reasons we believe Judas turned is because they get there and it's like, what, you know, what's the deal? I I came to be a part of this major. I joined your team to, for wealth and prestige and power, and now it's it's all fading away to nothing. And so he turns he he turns him in. He he gives the people the power the power players what they want. So it is a it's a uh yeah it is a it's a graphic display of God's, he is the king, but n- but it also quickly shows he was not the king that they were looking for. Right, yeah. because they anticipated that the, the Messiah would come yeah. as like a warrior, right, who would, li- yeah. who would liberate them. And, and so I'm sure whenever Jesus was, was actually pretty mild, they, they, yeah. <laughs> they were... Well, he didn't, he didn't defeat, I mean, the Romans mm-hmm. aren't going to be defeated. And right, you yeah. quickly can see that that's, it's not going to happen, and mm-hmm. it's like, so, um, and... I just, I, my heart aches when I walk through, cause you, you were right. I, I put myself in the place of Peter and think, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I would have denied him. Right. I would have been scared too. It would have, cause nothing was happening like they thought it would happen. Mm-hmm. Even at the end when they, they're like, they're grabbing swords, you know, to take to the garden with mm-hmm. him. And Peter, you know, attacks the, one of the temple guards and cuts his ear off, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, and Jesus, you know, is like, stop and heals the guy. And it's like, what, what are you doing, mm-hmm. man? It's like, the, I mean, you're, you're you're turning all of us in. We're right. all gonna go down with you, and uh, and because nobody understood the whole concept of him being the suffering servant and, mm-hmm. and the sacrifice. But yeah, that's yeah, pretty. It's awesome passage. So mm-hmm. um, I did. Uh, let's take a look real quick. Well, you, I know you've got a psalm to share. I also wanted to share something from the Psalms if I can find it. Um, you 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 got something from Psalm 31, right? You go ahead and share some, because I got some from Psalm 32. So you share what you have, and then I'll, I'll share Psalm 32. Yeah, so I've got Psalm 31, verses 1 through 5. Okay. Um, it's a psalm of David. I'm to the choir master, and it says, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me. Strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. In your name, for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Um, one thing that I've gotten from my uh, disciple leader is that he likes to read the Psalms in context. So he'll go to wherever they were. Like, for example, in, in D group, we, we read whenever... David was being chased by Saul and pursued by Saul, and then we right. read, I can't remember which psalm it was exactly, but it was, it was basically yeah. about um, during that time, and so it really helps you to, to get into it. So I looked at the co- context for this psalm, um, and I think that it's relatively, like, not 
necessarily known, but they think mm-hmm. that it's whenever David's son Absalom had come back into the into uh to kill David essentially. Right. Um, and just so reading this uh, with that in mind, uh, you know, David crying out to the Lord to uh to hide and and save his physical body because because mm. he's afraid of being murdered, but also um saying into your hand I commit my spirit for you have redeemed me, O Lord, faith of God. He he values his spiritual well-being over right. everything else because he knows that you know his body can be broken down, but it, but his spirit will will go on and be with God forever. Um, and I was I was reading a bit of a commentary on this, and it, but it says in uh, verse two it says, "Incline your ear to me, rescue me speedily." So essentially, he's praying to God. Uh, it says, "Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me." But then it says, "For you are my rock and my fortress." And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. And so he's he's uh, asking God for these things, but he's also recognizing that God is the provider. Right. Um. So he's he's asking it, but he already knows that God's going to provide this, mm. which I just really appreciate. Mm. And also, uh, it's a it's one of those psalms that's a a forerunner to Christ. And uh, I mean, these are actually the words of Jesus mm-hmm. as he's upon the cross. Right. And uh, and drawing from that, and 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 Jesus does that. He draws from a lot from the Psalms in his statements on the cross. He's he's basically using the same laments that David used in his times of anguish and uh, and so forth. Just uh, I I think it is the the kinship between David and and Jesus. Of course, of the line uh, Jesus is from the line of David, but but here you have Jesus on the cross saying the same thing. You know, I'm I'm just giving my spirit. You know, you have my spirit right. in your hands and. Uh, uh, and and that's last thing he says, you know, just before he dies. But uh, yeah, so a super powerful psalm. Uh, I, and I love that idea. I, I mean, I love that also. Like going back and looking at the context of where was David in First and Second Samuel and so forth, mm-hmm. in in what was happening in his life when he uh, when he wrote these psalms, because it does help put it in context to the cries that are making out to uh, that he's making out to God. Right. I, uh, I I brew something from Psalm uh, 32. It says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. When God, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. The day and night your hand was heavy. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Salah, which is, we have no idea what that means, but maybe a breath or a pause in the musical part. But I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin, Salah. You know, we really, there's a need for us to be transparent before God, and that's why I like the Psalms. They're just honest. It's just, God, this is how, this is exactly what I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing. And I, and I think one of the things the Psalms reveal to us is is that we don't have to be fake with God. If we if we doubt that God is in control, we can say God, it doesn't look like you're in control, you know. Or if we wonder why God would do something, uh, feels like God is oppressing us unjustly, we can say God feels like you're oppressing me unjustly, mm-hmm. you know. Not not saying God you are oppressing me unjustly, but it just that's how it seems to me right now. Mm-hmm. And and so and just crying out to Him in question, you know. Um, but under the law. Those who sinned intentionally uh, were cut off from the people or killed. Um, yet you read about Israelites all the time, who um, many who intentionally sinned and who weren't cast out. And um, 
in a time uh, in a time when they were the ones casting the ones that were uh, ones casting stones at other people were guilty themselves. Um, we you know, we can't we can't approach God because of our sin. Uh, because he's holy, because he's a righteous God. Uh, that's why he says, blesses God whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. Um, there is, um, we, because of our sin, we deserve death. And we need not just one who does not impute iniquity to us, but who imputes righteousness to us. And that's what Jesus does. He He gives us his righteousness i can't i can't i have already sinned i have already done what i what has to i did something that keeps me from ever being able to go to heaven i've i've done something that keeps me from being in the presence of god for all eternity i i also have done something that cast me out of the garden of eden and keeps me from ever getting back in i can and so there uh, there's a sense of hopelessness that we we have of being able to save ourselves, and so we look to God and and say, God, I really the blessed one is Jesus. He is the one who has not sinned. He is the one who has not committed iniquity. He is the one who has. Uh, there is no deceit. Uh, he is, and so I need Him uh, because He is righteous and and deserving to be in the presence of God and and deserving to be in uh, on the throne. Uh, he is, uh, well, he is God, and so he is. I need him to make it possible for me to be with him. And God created a prescription uh, to take care of my sin, and that was to the sacrifice of Christ, um, His blood, uh, sacrificed His life, given so that that I could receive life. He took on the wrath of God because of my sin. And because he who knew no sin became sin for me, uh, now I have the opportunity to, like I said, his righteousness is imputed to me. So when God looks at me uh, and I stand before him in judgment, he doesn't see the unrighteousness that I possess. He sees the righteousness of his son. And so I am, uh, there's a beautiful picture of that in the Old Testament where uh, the, the mercy seat was created uh, by God's instruction, Moses puts the mercy seat up on top of the Ark of the Covenant. So within the Ark of the Covenant, you have the the wall that's broken. You have the Ten Commandments. It, it, you know the actual tablets were put inside the Ark. And so when the atonement was being made, blood was taken and was put on this mercy seat. And so you have the broken the the covenant that's been broken within the Ark. And you have the Shekinah glory of God looking down upon this broken law, but as a covering of this broken law, uh, blood was poured on top of this mercy seat. So it would be the blood that literally covered the sin or the brokenness of this covenant that God would see. And so that's that's how He would that forgiveness was provided because life was shed. And and that's what and there's a picture of what Jesus does for us. We have the broken covenant of our lives, and then we are covered by His blood. So that God doesn't see the brokenness of us, but instead He sees the blood of His Son. So, good. Thanks for sharing, Logan. We're going to come back in just a moment, and uh, we are going to uh, talk about a couple of questions. So, uh, stick around. We'll be back with the Understanding Jesus podcast. 
If you would like to learn more about the ministry here at First Baptist Jackson, we have a class that's specially for you. It's called Basics, where we teach all the basic foundational things about being a part of our church, what our church is about, where it came from, where we are, where we're going, and how you fit into God's plan here at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're interested in being part of the Basics class, all you have to do is contact our church. You can contact us at office at fbcj.us. That's office at fbcj.us. Send us an email, and we would be glad to set up a time for us to have that class with you. We'll make a special time. We'll provide child care, but we need to hear from you. So if you're interested in taking the basics class, please contact us at office at fbcj.us. All right, it's time for our question and answer segment on understanding Jesus. And uh, Logan, why don't you start us off with a, uh, give us a question that you have. Uh, I had a question on, in Mark 11, 12, 14, um, where it talks about Jesus seeing the fig tree and, and cursing it. Why does he curse the fig tree for for not having fruit on it? And it, especially when it says um, it was not the season for fig. <laughs> this is a good question. It's like he's just going out killing trees. Mm-hmm. Jesus the tree killer. So sure. what do you think? Why do you think he does it? Um, what I think is that you know, it says he sees the distance of fig tree in leaf. Um, so he goes up to this tree thinking, you know, it seemingly has the appearance that it's going to be bearing fruit mm. um, on the outside. Um, and then when it doesn't, he actually curses it. Mm. And I, I think that it kind of translates um, maybe to the Pharisees, but also just to the regular person who maybe on the outside seems as though uh, they are good or, or bearing fruit or whatever, but, but in reality they're not. Right. I think of just myself whenever I was, before I became a Christian, mm. um, when I was in high school, I was really what would what you would consider like a really good, like nice kid. Like mm-hmm. I, I was the kid that other people, my friends wouldn't be able to go somewhere, but their friend, their mother, parents would be like, oh, if Logan's going, well, you can go. Um, but, in, and I, everybody saw me as this good kid, but in reality, I bore no fruit and, mm-hmm. and I was just deceiving myself and deceiving others. And so had I died then, I know that, that I would have been cursed. I would have been sent away um, for an eternity mm-hmm. without God. Yeah. But thankfully, you know, God revealed that to me and, and convicted me of my sin and drew me to himself. But uh, I, I just think it goes to show that you're not really producing fruit. If it's just a facade, right. um, you're going to be going to be cast away. Yeah. And, 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 and he is. He's illustrating. Uh, one of the things I think they get in our heads is that um, um, if uh, we think of a person becoming a Christian, and then them not bearing fruit, and then so is it saying that a person can lose their salvation? Uh, and that's something that people draw out of this passage sometimes. It's like so if I am am you know at some point not doing that which I was supposed to do, does that mean that God will then cast me out? And the reality of of God's word is is no, He's saying that if you are changed, if you are made new, you will bear fruit. And and so He's not giving us but but that warning is real it is it's a real warning that if we are not bearing fruit we will be cast out and it in in the theological part of it is is that if when a believer hears that 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 we respond by then producing fruit um an unbeliever does not respond by producing fruit because they're incapable of producing fruit and so uh and so that's and, and so yes it is it is they are going to 
be cast away. I, I want to look uh, another question that comes out of that same passage because he, as he, as they see this, and and Peter points out, look, oh, there's the fig tree that you cursed, and and they're amazed by this. Jesus then uh, tells them that uh, to have faith, and then he makes this uh, incredible statement. He says, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. Um, this is you, so hard in our head, because you're like, that can't be real, because, I mean, obviously, if I go to Mount Everest, and I'm looking at it and going, okay, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, and boom, you know, move, cast into the sea, and that the mountain would just rise up and be uh, be cast into the sea. Um, I think what, uh, one of the things that uh, we, in our mind is that God, we have to remember that God is saying that he can do anything uh, that in order to accomplish that which he plans to do. Uh, but it but it is my faith that is often lacking. It is me believing that that obstacle can't be removed. Uh, it's it's hyperbole, and, and which when you say something, granted, it, and it's and he's it's not that he can't literally move the mountain, but it's but he's also saying he's going to move the mountain if the mountain needs to be moved in order to get where we are need to go. Uh, and that's so it's not about just the power to move the mountain. It's about God. It's not our power to move a mountain. It's about God's power to remove any obstacle um, that gets in our way. <clears throat> and one of the things I think that is very telling about our, our people and, and uh, us as people, I mean, you think about how we think about going to Mars or on the moon, and we think about, about going to these places and desolate places where there's nothing there. And we think about uh, building colonies and, and creating or terraforming, really. And so this, this idea that starts in science fiction and now we believe is we can transfer into reality, what we're saying is, is we, we want to go to these other places and build what God has built here, not remembering that it was God in six days who created all of this. So if God needs us to go to the moon, he can go up there and make the moon like here. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I mean, that's right. And or if he needs us to go to Mars, he can go there and make it like it is here and can get us there without, you know, all the we're trying to do these things to save ourselves because it's really the reason or the purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're afraid that mankind is not going to survive if we don't take these measures. It's like mankind couldn't survive now if it weren't for God sustaining us and providing mm-hmm. all the things that he had. So the same God who provided all these things for us now is the same God who's going to provide and sustain us forever. The uh, the craziness, I mean, can you imagine being God, watching us, trying to endeavor, you know, all these different, uh, the billions of dollars that we spend and man hours we spend trying to, you know, it's like watching a child uh, try to uh, build a house, you know, and just uh, the thing of, I mean, if you gave a two-year-old all the things to build a house with and say, go, and uh, and just watching them struggle with that, whereas a, a person, an adult who knows how to build a house can come along and just start, you know, doing so much more mm-hmm. uh, than they can. That's God watching us struggle, and, and, and he's just saying, if you'll just believe that I have the ability to do this, then, uh, I mean, because they are just wonderment. It's like, oh my goodness, you cursed that victory and it died. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. So, and he's like, you know, I, I built the universe. <laughs> I, I, I did, I did everything. And you're cra- You're amazed that I, mm-hmm. I made a fig tree die. So, uh, to make a point, 
but uh, yeah, that's uh, anyway. That's a that's a anyway a question. Another question that I had, if I can find it real quick, because I don't want to have forgotten it, is from uh, yes, from Mark chapter ten. Uh, it says that James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, "Teacher, we want to do you want we want you to do for us whatever we ask." And he said to them, "What do you want me to do for you?" They said to him, "Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory." But Jesus said to them, "You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with?" They said to him, "We are able." So Jesus said to them, "You will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized with, you would be baptized. But sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those, but it is for those for whom it is prepared." Now I only point that out because in Matthew 20:20, 20, 20, uh, it's their mother that comes and asks Jesus for that. And so the question is, is that is there a contradiction here between the Gospel of Mark? And the Gospel of Matthew. I just want to simply point out that if you if you just pay attention to what's being said here, you have James. It says James and John came to him saying and asked this question. Well, think about it for a second. Is it James who's saying it, or is it John who's saying it, or is it or is it just simply communicating that they are relaying this question to Jesus? It is very possible that it is their mother who's saying it. But in this, but in Mark's passage, he's just trying to communicate. This is what James and John are wondering, because in both Gospels, when they respond, Jesus asks the question uh, and says, uh, "Do you are you able to drink the cup that I drink?" In Matthew, it says that James and John respond with, "We are." And so, so they're both, so they're both there. And and so, just uh, sometimes when you're reading a passage, uh, like like if you're reading one passage in the Bible in one gospel, and it says there was an angel there, and another one says there's two angels there, well, just remember the other gospel didn't say there weren't two angels there. It's just saying I'm just I'm just telling you about this one angel. Right. You know, there could have been uh, there could have been more than obviously it leaves. It's not saying their mother wasn't there and Mm -hmm. their mother didn't say this. It's just simply saying here's what they were saying and this is how they responded. But uh, when you say they were saying, when you're, uh, then it's not really saying who specifically is communicating the message. Well, we have a, a greater, I guess you say, a, a greater revelation. And, and plus, we believe that Mark was written before Matthew. And so Matthew may have just said, I'm just going to add this extra detail to mm-hmm. give more clarity as to actually what happened. Right. And that it was their mother who actually asked the question. So, uh, so there's no contradiction there. So. So anyway, if, if you uh, have denounced the faith over that passage in Mark because it doesn't match the one in Matthew, then hopefully <laughs> you'll come back to the faith now for over that. But that's uh, that's all the questions we have. We will be uh, back again. Uh, if you ever want to um, watch or we, we do a live stream where we show all the details that happen in our podcast. If you're into that kind of thing, you can watch it on Facebook. Uh, the video version is on YouTube, which you may be watching now. But if, if you're listening to audio podcast, you can see a video version of the podcast on our YouTube channel uh, but uh, but as always uh, we are we'll be back next week and uh, and ha- are excited because we have a new staff member that we're uh, I can't promise he will be here but uh, I'm not gonna say we'll fire him if he's not here but uh, but we are uh, really hoping that he jumps in with us next week Clayton Carver yeah. will be coming on board with us next week so we can't please. say that at some point in the future, he will be on the podcast. That's right. He if will it's be. not next we, week, we hope it'll it's be next some week. other week. We know he'll be here. He, no, he can. So hopefully he'll be with us on the podcast next week. But uh, So be sure and join us then on Understanding Jesus.